My name is Dr. Kaiser Hufta. I'm a senior researcher at the Center for Climate Change, Energy and Environmental Law at the University of Eastern Finland Law School, where my research focuses on EU energy law. I'm here today with, with uh, Dr. Lee Hanscher, uh, who is a professor of European law at Tilburg University, part-time professor of EU law, EU energy law at the Florence School of Regulation and professor of energy market law at the University of Bergen. Today, we're going to talk about the Commission state aid decision on the Belgian capacity mechanism from August 2021 and highlight the key legal aspects of that case. Um, this case is the recent is a, a recent one in a quite long line of commission state aid decisions on capacity mechanisms. Uh, it's actually the most recent one where the commission approves an entirely new market-wide uh, mechanism and the only market-wide mechanism that has been approved on the basis of the rules in the Clean Energy for All Europeans package. So uh, the, the European Commission only approved the measure after opening a formal investigation, uh, which allowed various stakeholders to submit their views. Um, it opened the, the full investigation into the Belgium capacity mechanism for several reasons. Uh, first of all, it doubted uh, the actual need for the mechanism um, and whether it was really technologically neutral. And it also looked into whether the mechanism unduly discriminated against foreign participation and whether it uh, incentivized uh, new interconnection capacity. So we think the Belgian decision is interesting because it uh, involves an, an assessment of whether the capacity mechanism complies with the electricity regulation, uh, which entered into force in 2019 as part of the clean energy package. It also illustrates how the European Commission conducts the balancing of the positive and, and uh, negative um, uh, consequences of a proposed measure. And it gives a first clue as to how the new guidelines on state aid for climate, environmental protection and energy will be applied. So today we're going to talk about why the Belgian mechanism was adopted in the first place uh, and then discuss how the Commission's assessment has changed following the entry into force of the electricity regulation uh, in 2019 uh, and then finally offer some critical thoughts on the decision. Lee, could you say uh, a few words about the design of the Belgium uh, capacity mechanism? Indeed, thank you, Kaisha. So, as you already mentioned, this decision concerns a so-called market-wide mechanism that is due to replace um, the strategic reserve that Belgium had already put in place some years ago and which had been cleared by the European Commission in 2018. Now, the, the mechanism itself, this market-wide mechanism, is rather complex and the, the details of its design were subject to extensive consultations with the Belgian regulator, the CREG, as well as the responsible minister and the Belgian um, TSO, before finally being submitted to the European Commission for clearance under the state aid rules, um, in particular Chapter 3, um, Section 9 of the EEAG, the state aid guidelines applicable at the time. 
So the Commission's decision explains this background and the various adjustments that were made uh, to the design to ensure that no technologies would be put at a disadvantage in qualifying as eligible to participate in the various auctions, year, the year one or year four auctions, as they're called, and that would help to select providers of capacity. So contracts would be awarded for either one year or for multiple years, um, multiple year periods of up to 15 years to most participants in these two sets of auctions. But it's noteworthy that cross-border capacity, um, labelled as foreign indirect capacity, can only apply for one-year contracts. You can see that at paragraph 309 of the Commission's decision. The scheme um, has now been approved um, for up to 10 years from the date of the first auction. But the Belgian authorities are obliged to conduct several extensive reviews during that period, especially if the policy on the closure of Belgian nuclear plant changes before 2025. Now, that, of course, is a very important condition, given that um, Belgium is reviewing the policy on nuclear plant closure in the current gas crisis. Um, now, the scheme is paid for by a levy imposed on all consumers in Belgium to finance the so-called contract for differences between the Belgian TSO and the qualifying suppliers of capacity. There are complex provisions um, in the mechanism on price caps and on penalties for failure to deliver capacity when it's required. So why did Belgium consider that this kind of complex mechanism was necessary in the first place. How was it justified under the state aid rules? Kaisha, would you like to elaborate? Uh, sure, thanks, Lee. Um, reading the justification for the Belgium uh, capacity mechanism was really interesting uh, and at times a bit surprising as well. Uh, Belgium estimated that it will face a resource adequacy problem from uh, 2025 onwards and cited a number of market failures which it estimated would hamper the functioning of the electricity market. And I'll highlight three key reasons for why Belgium considered a capacity mechanism necessary and justified. So first of all, uh, Belgium argued that the resource adequacy issue was likely to emerge from the decision to phase out all its own nuclear capacity over the period uh, of two, uh, 2022 to 2025 and from the decommissioning of thermal generation capacities in Belgium and in its neighbouring countries. Interestingly, uh, after the Russian invasion of Ukraine, Belgium has decided to postpone the phase-out of its, of its uh, nuclear capacities by 10 years until 2035 to address the so-called chaotic uh, geopolitical context, as the Belgian Prime Minister put it. Secondly, uh, Belgium cited the missing money problem uh, due to low demand response, the fact that energy prices were prevented from rising to a level that reflects the value of lost load, and what Belgium called other market design imperfections, which it didn't uh, elaborate in detail. 
And then thirdly, uh, Belgium discussed regulatory uncertainty as well as intermittency and price effects of the increasing amounts of renewable energy sources as a justification for their capacity mechanism. Um, it explained uh, that investors were risk aversive uh, because of the increased volatility and high regulatory uncertainty. And in fact, um, Belgium submitted that the increasing penetration of intermittent renewable energy sources made prices more volatile and increased the uncertainty for conventional technologies to recover their cost, uh, their fixed costs in the electricity market. Um, Belgium estimated that um, even slight variations of these conditions would have um, significant impacts on the revenues of conventional, conventional generation technologies and, and argued that the missing money problem would become uh, more severe as, as intermittent, uh, intermittent capacities increased. So uh, these are the key uh, three key justifications in a nutshell, um, and there are two arguments by Belgium here that I'd like to highlight from the point of view of the EU legal framework um, and the electricity uh, market design. Um, first of all, uh, Belgium blamed uh, the high interconnection uh, for the resource adequacy issues and highlighted that the high interconnection rate and import dependency constituted a particularity of their national electricity supply. Uh, they went on to say that because Belgium is a relatively small and highly interconnected market, uh, it is also affected by supply risks from neighboring electricity markets and that overall um, Belgium's resource adequacy is largely influenced by the situation in the neighboring electricity market. Uh, and it especially highlighted uh, the security of supply risks associated with potential unavailability of um, French nuclear capacity. And in fact, uh, it considered the un unavailability of the French nuclear fleet as, a, as an, a national sensitivity to be taken into consideration in the national sensitivity analysis. Um, even though Belgium saw various other risks as well in the neighboring countries. And of course, uh, if a major imported source like French nuclear dries up, then uh, absolutely there is a problem. But this is nevertheless uh, an interesting point uh, um, from the point of view of EU, from the point of view of the EU legal framework, which considers cross-border connections and, and cross-border trade of electricity as means to improve uh, resource adequacy rather than as a risk to resource adequacy. And then uh, secondly, uh, Belgium highlighted the political sensitivity of resource adequacy. It argued that the inability of consumers to select their desired level of reliability could be addressed in an energy only market by allowing prices to rise to a regulatory level, reflecting the price uh, at which consumers no longer are no longer willing to pay for. Um, energy and allowing generators to receive scarcity rents. Uh, however, uh, as a consequence of low demand response, uh, Belgium said that it's difficult to capture the actual value of lost load uh, and price spikes face issues of political acceptability. 
Um, and I thought uh, it was interesting from a legal point of view that political acceptability issues were highlighted in the context of justifying the Belgium capacity mechanism when issues of political acceptability are not legally uh, relevant reasons to justify state aid. But I think uh, both of these lines of reasoning uh, really show how politically charged capacity mechanisms and, and energy security are and how how that fact has has not really changed in the member states argumentation. Um, but other things have changed uh, with the entry into force of the 2019 electricity regulation. Uh, isn't that rightly? Yes, thanks uh, again, Kaisha. In fact, uh, there are certain things we should uh, take into account. First of all, of course, uh, the electricity regulation of 2019 in its chapter four um, provides a methodology now, a common or harmonized methodology for assessing resource adequacy in the member states. And this methodology was in fact um, developed by um, ACER and adopted in October 2020, just as the formal phase of the Belgian investigation was opened. So Belgium was required to some extent at least to bring its own national resource adequacy assessment into line with this brand new Europe-wide methodology. This has also proved rather complex and indeed contentious and it's worth noting that in the end Belgium prevailed in convincing the Commission that national deviations had to be taken into account. So even although we have a European-wide methodology, uh, national resource adequacy assessments are still very important. Furthermore, the European TSOs in um, NSOE had concluded that a European-wide methodology could not actually be implemented before 2023. Now, another aspect of the decision, um, which um, is important to note because it also um, has to take into account recent case law, is the question of who pays what. Now, we've seen that the, the measure here is financed by a levy. And in, according to state aid um, jurisprudence, then, if the measure, um, including its method of financing, um, entails aspects which are indissociably linked to the object of the aid and which breach other provisions of European law, then that breach could affect the assessment of the compatibility under 107.3 paragraph C um, of um, the state aid in question. And in the decision um, on the Belgian um, capacity market me mechanism, the Commission takes its cue from the relatively recent case um, of Austria versus the Commission, the so-called Hinkley Point case, um, and recalls that it cannot approve a state aid measure um, as compatible aid if it is financed by a mechanism that it would in itself be in breach of EU law. Now, what's important here is that uh, because uh, the capacity mechanism could apply also to imports, um, imports of electricity, the question arose whether with respect to Articles 30 and 110 of the, the Treaty on the Functioning of the EU, as well as certain provisions of the electricity regulation, was the measure then actually legal. Um, now that meant that Belgium had to concede um, that some adjustments had to be made to comply 
with um, Article 26 of the regulation, the electricity regulation of 2019, to allow so-called foreign capacity to participate on fair terms in the auctions, as well as the rules on sharing congestion revenues between the TSOs. So those adjustments uh, meant that this also resolved the possible breach of Articles 30 or Articles 110 um, of, the, of the treaty as the levy proceeds would be able um, to be um, payable to finance so-called foreign capacity. If that had not been the case, this would have been discrimination and that would have infringed um, those two articles. We can also note that it's very rare uh, for member states to try to argue that their mechanism is not state aid, but just compensation for a public service obligation. Um, and why have member states probably forgiven up? Have member states given up that um, line of argument? Uh, well, I think that the Commission is very strict in applying uh, what we call the Altmark criteria um, or Article 106, Paragraph 2 of the Treaty. And you can see that um, in the opening decision, the Commission actually um, already uh, formed the view that the measure constituted state aid and um, there was no question uh, that it could be justified under 106, uh, Paragraph 2. And that Belgian, um, sorry, the, the Belgians did not uh, question that view. So let's um, have another critical view of this important decision. Um, Kaisha, would you like to offer some comments? Yeah, uh, sure. Thanks. Uh, thanks for pointing out those important elements of the decision. Um, I would like to add that despite the adoption of the electricity regulation in 2019 and the assessment of the Belgium capacity mechanisms under these new rules, I I would say that not that much has changed in comparison to what we had prior to 2019. So, um, so despite these new rules, we still see argumentation from the member states that in the light of the market design uh, should should surely be viewed with uh, with some some skepticism, such as you know too much interconnection and interdependency within the EU or issues of political acceptability and so on. So it's clear that the Commission is not always prepared to really challenge the member states' own assessment of their security of supply situation. And in fact, the Commission was criticised uh, by many interested parties for taking too restrictive a view. Um, and I think this just underlines the political sensitivity of resource adequacy issues and, and energy security more broadly. And this is not uh, just an issue of how the Commission assesses member states' justifications in individual state aid cases, but also an issue of the electricity regulation itself. So, for instance, Article 24 of the Electricity Regulation allows to accommodate national sensitivities in the adequacy assessment and for regional factors, uh, which is a concrete way of giving member states some space for pursuing their national um, interests. And so you could say that the Electricity Regulation has a lot of bark, but that not that much bite. Um, and I also personally think don't think that the new new state aid guidelines um, that entered into force in the beginning of this year make much of a difference difference in in this respect. Or what do you think, Lee? 
Thanks, Kasia. Well, of course, uh, security of supply is always a very politically sensitive issue. And that's even more the case um, as we speak today. Um, I think, however, um, the Commission did try to obtain some concessions from the Belgians in order to clear um, the, the proposed scheme. For example, um, we've, we've pointed out that if the planned nuclear phase-out does not go ahead as scheduled, um, the system should be reviewed and adjusted um, in the light of updated adequacy assessments. Now, we have to see how that plays out if, um, in the current situation, um, Belgium is confronted with, with um, problems running its gas-fired stations and how that will affect them. An updated adequacy assessment in where nuclear uh, plant must be kept open. Um, it's important also to stress that um, the Commission um, continues to try to ensure the phase out of fossil fuels um, so that the rules um, are, that are now contained in the electricity regulation are fully respected. So that means that generating installations that emit more than 550 grams of CO2 per kilowatt hour cannot receive um, a contract in the, under the Belgian mechanism. And eligible uh, installations have to pledge to climate neutrality by 2050. So that's clearly required in, in the decision. Uh, finally, um, the Commission um, tries to ensure that the 2019 regulations rules on congestion revenue sharing between the TSOs are properly applied. So there is some effort, of course, on the part of the Commission um, to uphold uh, the EU-wide framework. So I think maybe a um, few concluding words are in order um, to, to uh, wrap up this podcast. Um, we both think that the Belgian decision contains lots of interesting issues. Um, first of all, you can see that um, the pre-notification period uh, lasted a long time. Then there was a nine-month preliminary investigation, followed by another 11 months of a formal investigation uh, before the, um, the EC was ready to sign off on the scheme. So that was you know, a protracted and extensive investigation. We also see that many third parties raised objections um, to the provisions, um, and the Belgian uh, regulatory authority responsible for the scheme is interestingly often overruled by the responsible minister um, in Belgium, even on rather technical issues. And I think this underlines what Katja has often uh, said during this podcast. Uh, these these issues um, are not just technical, but highly uh, political. And indeed, uh, the Commission's objections to the intervention by the Ministry were overruled by Belgium, as um, they have no legal basis in the, in the regulation itself. And it was, after all, in contradiction of the Ministry's responsibilities to secure supply uh, that such um, objections um, could be um, overruled. Nevertheless, um, it's important to emphasise that the final scheme also incorporates um, a few safeguards against undue strengthening of market dominance, um, particularly uh, because of its increased openness to new capacity 
and the availability of long-term contracts. So there is some sensitivity to, to these issues. Um, Kaishu, do you want to say anything uh, on interconnectedness um, is either a problem or a solution um, at this juncture? Well, maybe just uh, just to wrap up what I what I already said before that uh, there is this um, uh, sort of a conflict between uh, between the uh, between the Belgium argumentation where they say that um, that interconnectedness is a source of a resource of the resource adequacy problem and the EU uh, legal framework uh, for energy law, which sees uh, interconnectedness as um, as means to improve uh, resource adequacy. And there's this conflict of thinking uh, in um, in the decision and in the argumentation here that I thought I found uh, interesting. And as you already pointed out, again, highlights the political sensitivity of security of supply issues. Thank you very much. So that um, is our joint take on the Commission's decision on the Belgian capacity mechanism. So many thanks for listening. <laughs>